You're listening to The Preppy Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia May Marish, and I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. Each Tuesday, I'll bring you a new episode, but if you're craving more preppy, then shop the merch at thepreppypodcast.com and follow at The Preppy Podcast on social media. everyone. Welcome back to the Preppy Podcast. Before we get into today's interview, I want to congratulate all of the Best of Preppy uh, Preppy Podcast 2022 winners. Uh, the ribbons went out last week and you guys saw me announce the winners um, a few weeks ago on Instagram and on the preppypodcast.com. Uh, but I'm so happy for all of the winners and thank you to everyone who voted for the winners. Um, it's great to recognize these amazing influencers um, and people and brands and what they're doing, which is one of the reasons I created this podcast was to recognize everyone that's doing so much work and keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. Uh, so that's been super fun. But for today's interview, we are chatting with Holly of the English Room. Holly is a very talented interior designer who loves color just as much as I do. And she also shares her amazing shopping finds on her Instagram and blog daily, which is amazing. Um, So let's get into it and learn more about Holly. All right. So why don't you let everyone know who you are, where you live, and what you do? Great. Thank you so much for having me. I am Holly Hollingsworth Phillips. I am from Charlotte, North Carolina. I was born and raised here, moved away for a little bit and came back. And I am an interior designer as well as a lifestyle blogger. Um, and have been doing that about 10 years. Awesome. And I had the pleasure of meeting you at the Southern Sea last February. I think I originally started following you like way back when with the One Room Challenge or something. Yes. And as someone that loves color and just like mixing prints, I immediately fell in love with uh, your Instagram feed and your blog and all of that. So when I saw you at the Southern Sea, I went up and I was like, I have to say hi. And I know, you know, you're involved in the horse world too. And I grew up riding horses and you have Jack Russells and so do I. So I was like, I knew that we'd hit it off. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And you're, you live where my husband's from, which is kind of amazing. There's so many connections. Yeah, it is so funny. And then, yeah, we talked about Aiken, South Carolina too. So I just felt like I had to get you on the podcast and learn more and share your story with everyone. Thank you. I appreciate it. So I want to start at the beginning then. Like, tell me about your childhood. Were you always creative? And, you know, maybe you were one of those kids who was designing rooms in their dollhouse for their Barbies and things like that. I know your mom's in it. Uh, interior designer, correct? So tell me about your childhood and, you know, what you were like as a kid and growing up. So I'm the youngest of four children and my next closest sibling is five years older and then he's a boy and then another boy eight years older and then my sister's 12 years older. So I was almost like an only child. And by the time my parents got around to me, they basically were treating me like an adult or dragging me around with them to all their parties and friends and all these things. So from a young age, I felt like I was a little maybe too mature than I should have been. I would go to friends' houses and pick up because my mother collected Majolica. I would go to friends' houses and 
talk to their mothers and like rearrange the majolica in their hutch and would pick it up and look at the back of it, which is so bad. And be like, is this George Jones or is this a reproduction? Like, I mean, it was like ter- people would tell my mother stories she'd be like, you cannot do that. But I had been drug around to antique stores and antique shows and started going on buying trips with my mother when I was maybe 10. Um, she started an antique business in the early 80s um, and would import containers of antiques like so many people did um, around that time from England and France and the continent. And she would go buy loads of antiques, bring them back, set them up in our house in our garage, would send out a postcard to all her friends and they would come and buy, you know, brown wow. front chests like hand over fist. Crazy. Oh my um, and she did it for a while and eventually got caught by the zoning commission <laughs> And had started a shop. Okay. Soon after that, she decided she wanted to redecorate her house and had always saved everything Mario Buata had ever done. Um, and so she called Mario and said, I've, you know, this is not your normal size project, but we would like you to come to our house. And they hit it off and he would come visit. And he was the funniest, loveliest, craziest nut ever. So okay. creative. So I was in third grade, I think, when he started doing my parents' house and I loved him so much and he loved our dogs and was just a lovely person. Um, So my mother then kind of, um, he kind of took her under his wing and when all her friends were saying, well, you help us with our house, because she did have a natural eye, Mm -hmm. um, certainly with buying antiques. And so she started decorating. He kind of taught her everything. She, you know, he was very generous to share everything with her and kind of show her how he did it. And, you know, my letter of agreement to this day is kind of still based on what he taught her, um, which is, is fun. Um, so then I kind of had a somewhat creative rebellion. I decided I didn't like antiques. I was tired of going on these buying trips. I didn't want to do, I wanted to be an architect maybe, or do something in the arts. And I loved modern art. So I eventually went to college as a fine arts major and thought I was going to be some amazing abstract artist. Well, those classes in college are twice the amount of time of the other classes. Mm. And I did not think that was for me. (laughs) Um, And I was tired. I was actually not that talented. And I was tired of sitting there drawing naked people, Um, (laughs) which is what you have to spend so much time doing the, you know, learning the form. Yeah. Um, So I switched to an art history major, which was Great. Um, I actually went to Rollins College, which some of your other guests have yeah. been. Yeah. I love uh, Winter Park. Yeah. Janie Burley, or Jane Wynn. Um, yeah. She was one of my sorority sisters. Oh and Taggy French was later, but also went to Rollins. Um, so I went to Rollins as an art history major. Before I even finished school, I knew that I already wanted to do interior design. I'd spent a couple of summers in New York working at Sotheby's and thought that was the track and then realized it wasn't. Um, I, you know, also done some museum internships and it was just a little quieter than I wanted. So I wanted to be a little more creative. So went back to school the second I graduated from college, actually went to London first, did the 17th and 18th century decorative arts course at Sotheby's, which I loved. Such an amazing experience for anybody who wants to learn. And they have other courses. It doesn't have to be that, but so many great courses to do. I think post-grad every kid that has the opportunity should do that because it is such a good experience. And was that for a full year or how long? That was six months. I did that for six months um, and wish I'd stayed the full year in hindsight, but didn't. Came back and continued to work on my interior design degree, which I got at night at the American College in Atlanta. 
Mm-hmm. And in the day, I worked at Travis and Company in ADAC, which is um, one of the showrooms in ADAC that's been there forever. And eventually worked my way up to be in charge of the antiques there. Wow. So that was fun. I would get to go on buying trips with Daddy Travis, who is kind of a legend in the South. Um, and we would have the best time and go to France and, you know, kind of, I was just followed along at the time, but it was amazing. And um, so I have a really strong art history background and antique background. Um, even at that kind of around that same time I applied, which is your neck of the woods, applied for the American Institute at Winniture. Mm-hmm. My mother and I both applied and thought it would be fun to go spend the month to, together in Wilmington. She didn't get in and I got in. So <laughs> oh my gosh. Myself. Um, was, fun. was she upset? <laughs> I, like, I can't believe you got in. And I was like, mom, you were an English major 40 years ago or whatever it was. I was like, I don't think they're judging it on that, but it was, it was kind of funny. That's uh, so funny. How was that? It was great. It was, yeah. I mean, it was super intensive American decorative arts, but I never, I didn't really know American decorative arts because I had spent so much time studying English decorative arts and, you know, continental. So it was fun. It was interesting. And just the collection of American antiques is so different and the great families that collected them. It was just, and to be at Winniture and see how the DuPont family collected, it's, it's pretty amazing. Oh yeah. It's very impressive. There's lots of really um, impressive DuPont estate. And we're actually getting married in September at a DuPont estate as well. So that's funny. Yeah. Um, Brantwin it's like in Greenville, like right outside of Wilmington. It's very close to there. So it's right by Winneter. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh Um, my gosh. So so you sound like you had a very impressive, like childhood and just so many amazing people in the design world to look up to and learn from. I I was, I was very blessed to have those opportunities. I mean, my mother sent me when I was 15 to New York for the summer and put me up at the Williams club by myself to work for Alexander Stoddard one summer. I mean, there are things that I'm like, in in hindsight, I'm like, would I have sent my 15 year old to (laughs) New York for the summer alone? But I survived. Do you think she recognized something in you that like you had this creative, this design gene that maybe at the time, you know, you weren't into until later? I think so. I think she knew that. And I mean, Mm -hmm. the creativity was always there. I cannot, like, I have absolutely no eye-hand coordination. I cannot hit a ball. I cannot play a sport. I mean, from the minute she knew that I was not going to be successful in those things (laughs) and to encourage the things that I could do, which was, I mean, I've always been doing things creatively making, you know, as little making jewelry and painting things and cutting things up and, you know, always rearranging, but never the dollhouse. Like you mentioned, I, I, for some reason, I never played with dolls Oh, interesting. and I wasn't allowed to move my room around, nor was I allowed to self-expression with putting things on the wall. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, there was no self-expression in that, you know, and I think a bulletin board would have been very um, frowned upon as well. So when and why did you sort of decide to start your own interior design uh, business? Like what what was the leap then from, you know, you had this impressive background working with antiques and um, obviously with your mom and then getting into these programs. So then when did you decide to kind of do something on your own? So about two years after I got married, um, I came home to Charlotte for a friend's bridal shower And a house that I had always loved in Charlotte was for sale. And I went to look at it and I put an offer in it thinking I wouldn't even get it. I hadn't even told my husband. He was in business school in Atlanta. Um, And he was finishing in about three months. Well, we, the offer went through, 
So we moved back to Charlotte um, and he took a job with one of the banks here. And I said, okay, it's time. Instead of working, you know, I did not, I knew I did not want to work for my mother. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, here's the deal. I'd been doing a little bit on my own in Atlanta, but not terribly successfully. Everybody my age couldn't afford a designer Mm -hmm. and it just didn't have Atlanta. There's so many designers and not being from Atlanta, I didn't have the connections necessarily to have a great client base. Okay. Um, so coming back to Charlotte, I immediately had a great client base. I had lots of friends and older siblings of friends and younger clients than my mother for sure, but lots of their children were kind of an automatic client base. So that was an amazing way to get step into the business. I came into the building where I am now that was my mother's office. We shared for a while, we shared a one room office with my mother and I and an accountant because she used to lease out the top floor. Um, But I learned a ton sitting there watching how she worked because I had been in the business on the other side in a showroom, but I had never really had the experience in a design, you know, from the other side as a designer. So that those couple of years that we sat, you know, side by side at a partner's desk was a great experience. Oh my gosh. That sounds so nice too. I mean, I'm super close with my mom. We would scream and yell at each other and get mad. And, you know, people would be terrified thinking we were going to kill each other, but it's, you know, it's fine. It was fine. (laughs) Um, But it was a great experience. And I would, you know, I treasure that, that time that, you know, I got to learn from her and kind of see how, and she was so, she's so driven. Um, She's retired now, but she's so driven and her, ability to get things done is still like no one I've ever seen. I mean, the upholsters would be like, she called me at six forty-five this morning, you know, and they still laugh with me, like how she did not give up until she got what she wanted. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm sure you learned a lot and just like the memories of working alongside her, I'm sure were great, but yes. obviously you learned, you know, a ton from her, like you said, how do you think you developed your style when it comes to interiors? Was it like a little bit of trial and error and obviously a little bit layered with what you had learned in school and following these amazing designers? Like talk to me a little bit about developing your style because I feel like um, your style is so colorful and wonderful and you mix old with new. Like, so how did you get there? I think it's just kind of a natural progression. I knew I always loved color and I've always loved abstract art, but I've also been around the classical English country house, which is what my parents' home was, and antiques. So it's kind of a mix of all of it. Like I do think every room needs to have antiques and antiques are should be treasured and not thrown away and not given away. And I think every, you know, it just, it gives a layer to the room. But my natural draw for color was not, you know, there'll be, there'll be some amazing Colfax and Fowler fabrics have these big, bright, hot pink cabbage roses. And that's what I was always drawn to versus the muted Jeffrey Benison and those kind of things. Yeah. Um, so, and it's just kind of progressed over the years. I certainly decorate for myself much wilder than I ever would for a client. And okay. it's funny, I don't get tired of it. Um, yeah. People are like, asking, you know, do you redecorate all the time? I replace things that get worn out, but I don't redecorate all the time because I'm always happy with color. And I will go into a beautiful interior that's all white and I love it. And I think it's amazing and restful, but after a few days, it's not for me. Um, So I think it's naturally just been a progression of finding what I like. And I think with clients, I want to certainly expose them to being able to layer and the pattern and the color 
but I think I do it on a more muted scale for them generally, mm-hmm. um, or not as much use of pattern and color. It, you know, we'll have some, but it'll be a little more sparingly than I use for myself. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Um, so speaking of clients and, you know, even your own home, what's been a favorite project that you've worked on? Is there something that sticks out? Like, and like I said, it could be in your own home. Maybe it's for a client. Maybe it's, you know, something you collaborated on. Like what's been your favorite project? Well, there are a couple, a couple of years ago, it's probably 10 years now. One of my best friends from childhood, Lindsay Smith, who is an architect who's gone to Harvard architecture school and is brilliant, built her parents' house in Charlotte, and I did the interiors. Mm-hmm. And I've known her parent. we've been friends since preschool. Um, and so that was really fun, and they have an incredible art collection that they've given lots of it to the Mint Museum here in Charlotte. So doing that, and they are super modern, and Lindsay is super clean lined. So it, us working together was sometimes butting heads, but it was really fun because it was an opportunity to do something use the, they weren't afraid of color. They're not afraid of pattern. It was, it was like the thing I got to do, um, but a more minimal type in a more minimal type way. So it pushed me and I really enjoyed that. Um, the other thing, so I don't know if I've mentioned this, my parents built their very traditional Williamsburg house in Charlotte in the early Mm sixties. And they owned it until five years ago when I bought it from them. Oh, um, so I have the, my house is the house that my parents built. Nobody else has ever lived there. Um, so that's been really fun to renovate it and change it. And I've been very slow and deliberate in the process. We went in and did one edition of the kitchen and kind of opened that up, but otherwise I'm kind of been doing it bathroom by bathroom, um, and adding the layers to the big rooms, but it's been really fun to make that house my own. Um, and still respect some of it. I, w- I want to keep the same way. You know, there was this beautiful runner up the front stairs that Mario had done. That was kind of a handwoven flat weave icot in a peach and a pale blue and a little bit of chartreuse and just this beautiful. So I took it and I took it to Stark because it was worn out and took it to Stark and they re had it redone or uh, copied it. Mm-hmm. and did it and you know colors that were much more me so it has the chartreuse and the fuchsia and a brighter kind of peacock blue but some things like I just don't want to change but I have to redo them mm-hmm. so that's been fun to make it my own um and it's still an ongoing process oh my gosh how special is that that is like so cool I feel like that has to be so fun for you it is fun it's there are things that I don't want to change that need to be changed because they have the memories to them. Oh yeah. Um, but the, I mean the, all the bathrooms, you know, they're 50 years old or 60 years old or whatever it is at this point, like they all need it. And so I've, I've gotten about half of them done, but I'm like, should I really put my wild purple tile in this bathroom or should I, you know, not kill my parents? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's amazing. And even the other project that you spoke about, um, your best friend's parents' home, I feel like that, you know, like you said, it challenged you, but I also feel like it probably was fun because I'm sure they trusted you since they've grown, like you've grown up with them. And um, so you, I'm sure it was fun. Like they probably gave you it's more leeway than a normal client. Yeah. The architect and I, who's Lindsay, my friend was very, you know, she's super opinionated. So am I. So it was really fun to see how we all brought it together and, you know, including her parents style and what we both want. I mean, it was, it was just a fun, challenging project that you never are that close with, you know, you're not normally that involved in on any project that, you know, you're 
can bicker with the architect about little things. And, you know, it, it was just a really fun, special project. Totally and it was more, hands on. Yeah. One of the most contemporary houses in Charlotte. That's amazing. And I've never done anything else that contemporary. Wow. So I want to talk a little bit about your blog and, you know, your Instagram social media. When and why did you decide to start a blog and, you know, your Instagram too and social media with that? So, gosh, I'd love to know what, yeah, I should know what year it was. It's maybe 10 or 12 years ago. Okay. And it might have been around the inception of Instagram. So maybe it's not that long. I have no idea when Instagram started. Regardless, you started seeing, I started seeing these people posting about this design event in LA where they were. And I was like, this looks like so much fun. And around the same time, Kravit posted that they were having like some design maybe design bloggers, something design bloggers conference was the thing in LA. Yeah. And then everybody else was starting to get websites kind of around the same time. So I called a friend's boyfriend who was a web designer and he made a website for me. And he, when he, you know, sent me the proof kind of of it, I looked at it and I was like, well, what's this? He was like, that's your newsletter. That's your blog. And I was like, Oh, I'm not doing that. And somehow he showed me how to do it and he talked me into it. And we started talking about, and I was like, oh, that's what these people do that go to this event. (laughs) And he was like, well, you should do it. So I made two or three posts, signed up for the next event. And a friend and I, we both did it. She never kept up with hers. I have kept up with mine ever since that event. I've done a blog every day for like 12 years or whatever it is. Um, And it just kind of evolved from there. But I learned it was a great marketing tool. I mean, in addition to I enjoy doing it and I enjoy sharing all the things that I love because I'm a complete shopaholic and I'm constantly gathering things I love and, you know, shopping and saving and, you know, Pinterest became another tool for that. Um, So it was, I loved sharing that, but it also is great in marketing to keep me in front of existing clients that, you know, you have the clients that are kind of dormant for a while because everything's done and they're set. But I kind of felt like if I kept showing them, you know, Textile Tuesday, this pretty new fabric, maybe they need new pillows. Or Wallpaper Wednesday, maybe they want to redo their powder rim. So it was kind of a little bit of marketing. And then with the um, addition of Reward Style, which it's an affiliate marketing, affiliate link thing. Um, I think most people are probably familiar with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Reward Style and Shop Style. I started doing a Friday fashion thing just because I love fashion. And again, it's another one of my shopping addictions. Um, And I would do Friday fashion. It just kind of evolved into like, it was just all the things I love. It's like the travel, the fashion, the interiors, all the things that kind of curate the, the lifestyle that I aspire to. Um, so that's kind of how it has naturally evolved, but it's really become, it's become a, a little bit of a beast that it's, it's still just me mm-hmm. doing the blog. I have a, a tech person who, when I mess something up, he deals with it and he does the back end of it. Um, but I can literally make a blog post and that's about it. I can't do anything else tech wise. <laughs> um, but I really enjoy it. And it's just, it's just a natural outlet for me. Definitely. And I love what you said there that it's a good form of marketing because that's the same reason, you know, I still have my blog and my influencer Instagram account is it's really a marketing purpose for me for my PR business. And I tell everyone, every business owner, I'm like, you need to be an influencer. And I'm not saying you have to be like a full-time fashion influencer, like that should be your end goal. I'm meaning it as that you need to be putting yourself out there, like you said, because it it tells your customers, it reminds them about you of like, oh, hey, like I forgot, like, you know, Holly mentioned these pillows. Maybe I need some new pillows or maybe I should call Holly because I'm looking for a new, like it's just to get in front of people. It just keeps you at, at, 
the front of people's minds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it connects you to potential new like customers right. and clients. And it inspires too. people. And it's, I mean, yeah. I also, you know, it's, I think it's a lot of different reasons, but the, the inspiration, I, it's, there's so many image and thing, images and things that like inspire me. And I want to save that and I want to share mm-hmm. that. And it's just, it's a natural platform for that. Yeah, And for a while, I mean, I felt like Instagram, I kind of go off and on of how much I love it because for a while you would go to these, I would go to all the design events and they would say, you have to post three times a day. And it was practically a job in itself. Um, And so I've, I feel like I hardly ever post on my feed anymore. I do stories all the time and they're much less formal and curated as they were, as they're a post on your, you know, on your static feed. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's, you know, it's still, it's so much inspiration comes from that and so many sources and it's a great way to connect with people so easily. Yep. That's all, all great information there. I do hate the way that it makes some people feel like that, you know, I have friends and clients who've gotten off of Instagram because they say it's too much. It makes you want too many things and it makes you, and I don't like that aspect of it, that in the, you know, people want the likes and if the the young kids, if they don't, that whole part makes me sad. Oh yeah, of course. And I, hopefully, you know, they're going to be fixing that. It seems like they're trying to do that. But But I do think it has been incredible for our design industry. I also think it's made it a lot harder for our design industry because clients are much more educated and have a harder time make, I feel like my clients have a harder time making decisions because they are seeing so much more. Mm-hmm. I feel like I hear the same thing with wedding planners that like because of Pinterest and Instagram that there's unreal expectations basically because they see these pictures and they don't understand, you know, what the amount of money that goes into that or what's involved behind that. And it kind of, yeah, it's hard with expectations then in that aspect. It, it has changed that. And clients sometimes will feel the need to keep looking and looking and looking and following a zillion different designers on Instagram to think that the perfect thing's going to pop up. I'm like, do what you love. It doesn't matter what all, you know, what's the most popular, you know, it's hard to sometimes break that cycle of keep to keep looking forever. Yeah. No, 100%. Um, so speaking of, you know, design and influencing and what you do, what would you say is the hardest and the best part then too? The hardest is the business part. And I am not I, I love the creative. I could design rooms and houses and do blog posts and the inspiring and creative part and the travel. I could do that my whole life. Mm-hmm. When it comes down, when we have to talk about the money and the books and the billing and all of that, it is such a drag. Yeah. Um, but it's the most important part. And it's like 90% where the creative is 10. So I luckily have a wonderful team and I always hire what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, I, I need to be a better business person, which is why the Southern Sea, I think is great because it does help you with that as well. Um, I think that is kind of my least favorite part of it. I wish it could all be creative and fluff and happy, but it's not. Um, And I think the, the best part of it is probably the connections made and the travel and getting to meet people and be inspired is, you know, I've, I've traveled to India with a group of designers that I only knew a few of them and they've become friends and we're planning a great trip to Egypt and just the inspiration that comes with all of that, I think is amazing. And I, you know, I love fabric. I love textiles. I love the ideas that come from behind them and, and, you know, 
history that that makes so many things that I think is such a fun part of this business. And I love that I get to shop for my job. Like (laughs) I was a born shopper. That's a good answer. I used to take as a child, like when I was really little, like five years old or younger, I would go in the laundry room, get a grocery bag when nobody else was home and the housekeeper would just be there with me. And I would go to every single person's room, go through every drawer, every closet, everything, and, you know, turn them in for cigarettes for the older siblings and would take all the things throughout the house that I wanted and put in my shopping bag. You know, I, I, I was born They're like, shopping. here's this clap down. <laughs> Truly. It's a good thing I don't feel, but I was a born shopper. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. That's adorable. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's I mean, like, it's my job. I get to shop for antiques and furniture and clothes for my career. What could be better? Yeah. So that trip to Egypt, that sounds amazing. So speaking of inspiration then, where do you get inspiration? Is most of it from travel? Like who or what or where do you get inspiration from? Travel is pro- would probably be my number one. Um, art and museums. I love to go to museums. I love to research museums and travel in other cities. Um, luckily, when I did the Sotheby's Decorative Arts course, I spent tons of time over that those four months in that course, we spent every week a full day, maybe in the V&A, the Victorian Albert Museum in London and the archives. Mm-hmm. So I felt like that truly gave me the love of textiles that I wouldn't have otherwise. Um, but it can even be, I mean, it can be a flower when you're taking a walk. It can I mean nature, obviously, I'm not a huge outdoorsy person. I mean, I guess I am. I ride horses every day, but <laughs> I'm not like a huge gardener. I wish I were, but you know, but I do think nature's so inspiring and you see the pattern of leaves growing naturally up the wall and it kind of becomes this arbor and it could be a beautiful wallpaper and just things like that certainly inspire me and color palettes definitely with nature. Yeah. Um, so we talked about a project that you loved working on um, and your, your home that you're working on. And now what would be like a dream project or maybe even a dream collab, like on the blog side, if there's like, you know, um, a brand you'd always want to collab with, like either or. Well, my dream project would be Kit Kemp and Firmdale Hotels. Like she has, she has a little bit of my dream job. Mm -hmm. I don't think she takes many private clients, not that I don't love my clients, but to (laughs) not have an actual person to make this, she gets to do all the selections and she has free reign to do all these boutique hotels. Seems like the dreamiest job in all the whole world. Yeah. And I love every single hotel she's done. And we, I mean, one of the first hotels when I was little was number six, I think it was number 16. Now I can't remember. Um, or one of the ones down on Kensington in London, where when we would go on buying trips, we would stay at her first hotel that had this yellow and blue check. I remember it so well. Um, but I think she is brilliant and what she produces is magical. So I would definitely say a boutique hotel would be my dream project. You'd be so good at that, I feel like. I would love that. I just, let's find the part. And my husband does historic tax credit work. And so he's always working on like boutique hotels and old buildings. I'm like, hello, <laughs> what about me? Um, so hopefully one day. Yeah. And then for the blog, I was trying to think what would be, I mean, I've just been doing a few fun, like it's fun to be asked to do some little fashion things. Like I've done some fun things with, um, you know, like sacks pairing up for 
picking out things and mood boards and all that. And, you know, having, I hate having my picture taken. So I will never be a true fashion blogger. Absolutely not. I'm too old and, and not my thing. Uh, <laughs> but I would love to design. Fa- I mean, I know that's insane, but I would love to like design fashion. So, you know, some of the interior fabrics, I think about the libertine going to become interior fabrics. I think so much of that could go the other way. Um, interior fabrics becoming more um, fashion. Yes. I think so, so much of that could be fun. I mean, I, I'm too creative in the aspect that I could, I am an idea person. I could come up with a thousand ideas, but the execution is way more complicated. Agreed. I'm the same way, actually. I was just saying that to my fiance. I was like, if only I could make a job of just like coming up with ideas for people. <laughs> I can come up with ideas. I mean, I can't execute them for you, but I can come up <laughs> With a thousand great ideas, it's just getting, making all of it happen. Yes. <laughs> so yes, I would love a fashion line out of amazing interiors fabrics that would be colorful and crazy and nobody would probably want to wear it but me. Uh, no, I would wear it with you. <laughs> well, good. So since this is the Preppy Podcast, I always ask everyone, what does Preppy mean to you? So how would you describe Preppy these days or what does it mean to you? I knew you were going to ask that because I've listened to lots of your podcasts. <laughs> I mean, preppy, the first thing that pops in my head is like my happy, I had a very happy childhood, um, nine or 10 when the preppy handbook came out. And I thought it was the greatest thing that had ever happened. Um, and it was a little older than I was. So I thought it was so cool. And it was just that age of, I don't know, even know if people know what the Papagallo store, like yeah. the Papagallo stores and the espadrilles and the wrap skirts that were embroidered with little whales and the Fair Isle wool sweaters and tartan plaid. I mean, it was just, it felt like it was a really, my childhood was happy at that time. So it felt like it was a really happy time for me. But it also, it makes me think about, it kind of conjures this lifestyle of like a well curated lifestyle, which I still think we all strive for mm-hmm. and like traveling to these beautiful places and skiing in a beautiful mountain and going to Nantucket. I mean, it's, it's all these things that I think it's a curation of how you want to live. Yeah. Um, I don't think it necessarily has to be the pink and green that, that some people think of, which I still do love. And, you know, I love Lily Pulitzer and all those mm-hmm. things that, that sometimes make you think of preppy, but I think it's the curation um of like the lifestyle that you want. Yeah. It, it's much deeper and it's. Yes. I think it's, a, it's much deeper than your, than your embroidered whale sweater, but I do <laughs> still, still have fond memories of this. Yes, exactly. Um, so now I have a few little short answer questions sure. for you. So what's one tip that you can give people um, to help them add color to their home? Do it in small doses. If it scares you lamps, pillows, keep your upholstery a little more neutral if if it scares you. Well, I would love for everyone to have a fuchsia sofa. It's probably not for everyone. I think pillows are a great place to bring some colorful coffee table books, the Asseline travel books, you know, some good pops of color from that can be a good way to get your, yourself, your mindset into color. I like that idea with the coffee table books. I think that's, that's a good way to get your feet wet. Yeah. Um, what are some of your favorite designers for clothing? Ooh, um, I actually love Hunter Bell, who is kind of a a younger person out of Texas. It's very almost Western Southern Texas feel with ruffles and quilts and plaid. Um, 
which is kind of one look, a totally different look is Libertine, I think is brilliant, often out of the price point, but I think brilliant. Um, uh, what is his name? Christopher John Rogers and all his color blows me away. Mm-hmm. If you haven't looked at it, his last fashion show that's on like the, you know, you can look at the whole runway show from Vogue. I mean, I want 99% of the looks. It's un. There are these huge ball skirts with stripes of rainbow taffeta. I mean, like, oh and the taffeta. I mean, it is, it is so amazing and beautiful and creative and different. Yeah, like wearable art. But I do. I mean, I I will. I am a such a high low. Like, I will buy the Target dress and wear with Valentino sandals. Like, yeah. I am, I am happy to mix it up. Hmm. Um, what about some of your favorite brands in terms of like decor or furniture? Sure. Um, of course I tend to, to go for color. I love Highland house upholstery and my dear friend, Barry Benson has a collection of upholstery. That's amazing. Um, I use that a good bit, um, for fabrics. I use a lot of Schumacher. Mm-hmm. Osborne and Little, Designers Guild, and specifically their Christian Lacroix and Matthew, Matthew Williamson collections are super colorful and happy and completely speak to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the Masoni fabrics that I think it's Stark, it might be Cravat. It's not Stark, it's Cravat now. They're licensed, so they're like cut velvet squares and rainbow colors that are mm-hmm. just beautiful and yummy and colorful and happy. Um Absolutely love that. Um, I did a fun line of fabrics with lace field designs, which I love. And it, it was, and that was inspired by a trip to India. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I get love getting to use those. And I mean, I will shop on Etsy with the best of them. I mean, that's one of my favorite rug sources for runners and smaller rugs. Love shopping on Etsy. Oh, that's a, that's a good little tip. And I um, love another shopping tip that, because I love shopping, um, <laughs> local lock auction houses okay. and all of them now are online. So Leland Little, like I shouldn't give away my favorite source. Leland Little is in Hillsboro, North Carolina. I've never actually been to their building, but I buy from them all the time. Bronk and Asheville, you know, Doyle, Sotheby, they'll have the less expensive arcade sales. I mean, I buy jewelry. I buy, I mean, I, I, I just, I have a problem. Um, I love to shop, but it is, you can find some amazing things and it's so interesting to get on those websites and just, you know, if there's, there's a native American uh, artist, John Nieto that I love and I get alerts from auction houses all over the country whenever his pieces come up and I still don't have one, but, but I'm still looking and and bidding and trying. Um, But it's fun because I now follow a couple auction houses and one in Santa Fe, one in Texas that it's, and then you, they're just like these great finds. Oh, that's so awesome. That's awesome. a good tip, especially now that they're all online these days. They're honestly. all online and like, but it's good to find like your local one that, you know, so you don't have to pay a zillion dollars to ship it. Yeah. Like the Leland Little one um, has been a great source for me because you can find beautiful brown furniture. And I feel like every client needs a pretty sideboard and a pretty bow front chest and a pretty, you know, I think in my mind, lots of, you know, everybody needs some antiques and some yeah. basic pieces and you can find, I mean, the prices are so much less than the junk that's being imported from China that we're buying at half point market. Not that there aren't wonderful things there too, but like, it's amazing that what you can get for the price. Yep. 
no, I love finding, you know, an antique piece and just has, you know, stories behind it and just so different. And I, I think you need some of that too, like you said. And next time you're on those auction house sites, if you see any great clip-on earrings, send them my way. Okay. <laughs> I don't have my ears pierced, so I only wear clip-ons. Hey, my mother, um, that was one of her, she doesn't have her ears pierced, and she has always said how she thought it was so tacky to put holes in your ears. <laughs> and I have multiple holes in my ears now, so it's. I'm, I'm glad that you're making her proud. I am. And you know what's funny? I was watching Southern Charm the other night, and Patricia on there doesn't have hers pierced, and she said like her mom said something like that, too, and that's why. Of course she doesn't. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Um, what about, what's the last thing you read? Are you a big reader? Oh, this is going to be so embarrassing. I am <laughs> not a reader. I don't read at all. Okay. What about then watched? Is no, there like- I, listen, I listen to Audible all the time. Okay. Right now, hold on. I'm going to grab my phone. I'm going to tell you what was the last thing I listened to because it was good. Um, and I download more books than I could ever listen to, but I have them all ready. It's, it's like shopping again. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh, it won't load. It was Jackie and me I'm listening to right now. I've got the Anna Wintour downloaded. Oh, I'm listening to The Lost Summers of Newport. It's good. Oh, really? I have heard about that. It's good? Yeah. Okay. It's good. Um, Green Light. Okay, so this would be the last thing I read. The last thing I completed was Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Oh. And I didn't read it, but I listened to it on Audible. It is incredible. Like I've heard it's good. And it's only like four hours or six hours. It's not terribly long. So if, you know, one good car trip and you've, you've done it and he speaks, you know, he's reading it. Mm-hmm. So it's his voice, which is so good. And it's, it's full of great wisdom. I mean, it, it really is. It's kind of amazing. He's, he's a really smart guy. Interesting. Okay, I'll put that on my list. Yeah, Next, green I have like a huge list right now, but I'll add it to it. <laughs> yep. Stanley Tucci Taste is on my list. Mm, yes. Um, and How creati- Creativity Rules the World by Maria Brito. That's another one that I, I want to get to. Oh, I'll have to have that one. Yeah. Um, so I know you love to travel. We talked about that. Where's your favorite place to travel? And where's somewhere that's on your bucket list? Um. African safari I have not gotten to, and I have every year want to get it planned. It's the way I want to do it is going to be very expensive. So, and I want to take my children. So we keep pushing it off. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, hopefully in the next few years, we will do that. I really want to go on safari. Um, My daughter, her junior year in high school lived in Italy. She did school year abroad program. Yeah. I went to Italy three times that year and Italy is amazing. I mean, I'd I'd been before, but I'd never spent the amount of time that I had that year. So I probably spent four or five weeks over that year there. And Italy and Capri and Amalfi Coast, I mean, the Amalfi Coast, Cyrano's, all of that is is a little piece of heaven. Yeah, that's amazing. I can't wait to see. Pelicano is amazing. All of those places that you see all the time, there's a reason for it. It is so special. And India, I mean, I went to India. I would go back to India a zillion times. India's on my bucket list. India is amazing. It's, it's the contrast of the poverty and the beauty and the design is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And some people really do get over. I, I got over like overwhelmed in Delhi because of the crowds and the people. And I mean, it's a lot, but it's the most beautiful in a different way than Italy, it's so beautiful. Hmm. Okay. And the people could not be more kind and generous and lovely. Oh, 
Yep, that's I have to make it there someday. Yeah. What highly recommend? What's your go-to drink? Um, margarita, skinny margarita, or tequila soda with a splash of grapefruit and extra lime. Kind of a Paloma that I make up myself. I like Uh, that. I used to be a huge Chardonnay drinker, but for some reason I haven't been drinking wine at all. It just doesn't appeal to me. Oh, interesting. I, I'm still on a wine kick. <laughs> and you know what else I love is hard kombucha. It's my, it's during COVID, someone introduced me to it. Flying Embers is the brand and you can get it at most grocery stores. Okay. And it says it has no sugar and no carbs. I don't really know how you can have no sugar and no carbs when it has a hundred calories, but it's delicious. If you like kombucha, if you like that vinegary kind of, Interesting. Flavor. So it has alcohol in it, though. It has, oh, it's hard kombucha. Yes, you. It, yeah. it is, it's more alcohol. Like it's like two beers in one can, kind of, or something. It's oh. strong. It's you okay. can't have too too many of them. And the black cherry or the grapefruit are my favorite. Okay, I'm gonna have to try that. I have never even heard of it's, it. I don't love beer. I mean, I'll we'll have a beer if it's like boiling hot or something. Mm-hmm. But it's a good cold canned thing you can have in place of that. Okay, I'll have to try that. So um, my second to last question is what's next for you? Where can people um, like, what can they look forward to you coming out with next? Are you doing next or going and, you know, anything like that? What's on the horizon? Um, I feel like the travel has been off for a couple of years. So I think I'm getting back to travel. My husband and I are going on a trip to Europe in a few weeks for 10 days. And then I've got Egypt planned and I want to plan some other fun things that I've kind of got on the horizon. Um, I want to travel more and explore more and life is short and we need to do all the things we want to do now. Definitely. I love that attitude. So my final question is where can people find you? Let them know, you know, your blog URL, your social media handles, uh, maybe your website so that they can, you know, contact you if they want you to design the room or a house for them and also just follow along and shop your finds. Yes. So everything can kind of be found um, at www.theenglishroom.biz or at The English Room on Instagram. Um, All of those places can lead you back to me if you need to actually get in touch with me. Um, And they'll all lead you to ways to shop my finds, which are on the bottom of my blog every single day. So awesome. Well, thank you, Holly. Absolutely. This was great. Well, I appreciate you having me. It's been fun. It's always fun to talk about things you love. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the Preppy Podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast. And follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media. 